Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. I am a firm believer in God's personal direction of people's lives. I absolutely believe that that happens. And here's how it happens. As we come to Jesus, as we seek to grow in Him, as we pursue knowing Him, He directs us. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Mark, chapter 3, verses 13 through 19, in a message titled, Called and Appointed. Now, here's Pastor Brian. It's easy for people to get super focused on what they're doing for God to the exclusion of just enjoying the relationship that they have with God. And we have to fight against that. And the best way to fight against it is just to remember that Jesus chose us first to be with him. That's what he's concerned about more than anything. He's not primarily concerned with what you can do for him. Jesus didn't save you because he needed you to do something for him. He didn't save me because he needed me to do something for him. Because he has... Well, of course, he has a whole host of angels that could do his work far better than we could ever do it, far more effectively and with much less drama. You know, he could just get it all done. But he chose to use us, but he chose first and foremost to bring us to himself. And that's what we can never forget. The greatest thing in my life is not that I get to be a pastor The greatest thing in my life is that I get to be a child of God. That's the greatest thing in my life. And being a pastor is a great thing too, but that that comes out of the fact that I'm a child of God. And so the greatest thing in your life, the greatest moment in your life will not be when you do some great thing for God. The greatest moment in your life happened when you met Jesus and you were called to him. You were drawn to him. And Let's not forget that. And since that is the first and foremost reason for why he saved us, not to be servants, but to be sons and daughters, let's make sure that we focus on the relationship, that we cultivate the relationship. Now, listen, this is true. There are many miserable Christians in the world, many miserable Christians, many people who are serving God who are quite miserable, really. Why, why are, I mean, that, that's kind of like an oxymoron in a sense, isn't it? It's like Christian and miserable. Wait, something's the matter with that. You know, follower of Jesus and miserable. How is that? It's a reality because of this very thing we're talking about. It's a reality because whenever I forget that this is first about my relationship with him, and then I start making it about something else, inevitably, I'm going to become frustrated and upset and disappointed and miserable and not am I just going to be miserable. I am going to make other people miserable. This always happens. It happens when we lose sight of the main thing. And the main thing is the relationship. 
And you see, if I focus on the relationship and realize that it's from the relationship that everything else is gonna happen, that's, that's when I maintain my joy. That's how I avoid falling into that miserable state. But once I neglect that or just in some ways forget that and start focusing on the thing or things that I'm supposed to do, I'm either going to have some success and become um, so arrogant about it that nobody can stand to be around me, or I'm going to experience failure and become so miserable that nobody wants to be around me because I'm just feeling like I'm a failure, I'm a loser, and, and all of that. But, but, it, but it all stems back to taking our eyes off of where they're supposed to be. And they're supposed to be on the relationship with Jesus himself. And that's where he starts. He called them that they might be with him. Jesus saved you so you could be with him. He saved you so you could know the joy and the delight and the blessing of being a son of God, of being a daughter of God. And he wants you to spend your life just growing in the realization of what it is to be a child of God. And so how do we do that? Well, he said he, he wanted us to be with him. We have to be with him. And how are we with him? Well, we're with him when we take time to open the Bible and read it with a heart that says, Lord, I want to know you. So would you reveal yourself to me? When I take time to pray and say, God, I, I want to commune with you. I want you to talk to me because I want this relationship to grow. And whenever I do those kinds of things, then I'm doing the thing that Jesus saved me first and foremost for. I'm experiencing being with him. And then the other stuff will naturally proceed from it. So that's where we start. Seeking him, knowing him, worshiping him. You know, I mean, sometimes I think, and I, I think this about myself, you know, sometimes I think how, you know, we have this, the, the New Testament speaks of the unsearchable riches of Christ. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And sometimes I think of how foolish I am of settling for so much less than God has offered to me. I think, you know, I, I just so easily settle for so much less. Why is that? Rather than really, you know, seeking to know the Lord in, in ever-increasing measures, why do I content myself with just a surface knowledge so often? Why don't we go deeper? Why do we let uh, the things of the world, you know, pull on us and distract us and consume our time and all of that? What, what is the matter with us? You know, and I do think that one day, unless we you know, get moving more consistently in that direction of doing that, I do think that one day we're going to have such a, a moment of just disappointment you know, there, there'll just come a moment at some point where we say, Lord, what was I thinking? What, what was I doing? Why didn't I 
do what I could have done in regard to getting to know you better. So let's, let's do that now. Let's not have that, that day of regret. Like I said, he didn't save you to be a servant first. Being a servant of God is great. It's the greatest thing you can do. But being a child of God is even greater. And so that's where the focus has to be. And then secondly comes what Jesus then did. He appointed them that they should go preach and that they would have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. So he called them to himself and then he appointed them to go out in service. And, and again, let me just say it. That's the way it works. That's the order. Now, God's called every one of us to serve him. And I'm going to take here, I'm not going to go specifically into preaching and healing and deliverance from demons. Uh, I'm just going to, I want to just broaden that to say, so what, it, what he did is he sent them out to serve him for the advancement of his kingdom. And this is the things that they did. And this is what we do too not maybe in the most direct way as they did on this occasion where they went out and literally, you know, preached the gospel and they went out and they healed people literally and they literally cast demons out. Well, we're called to do the same kind of thing, but it might not be looking exactly like that for everybody. For some people, it looks exactly like that, but for others, it looks a little bit different. But the point is you're accomplishing the same thing. So because when I say preach, and we've talked about this recently, preaching, but when I say preach, most people think preach like, like this guy's doing right here. He's preaching. And you're going, I don't know how to do that. Okay, well, that's like we talked before. That's not really, contextually, that's not the same for everyone. For you, maybe preaching is you're just talking to the person next to you at work. You're telling them about what Jesus did in your life and what he could do in their life. You're preaching to them. And, you know, somebody's over here actually laying hands on the sick and they're getting healed. And you're not doing that, but God is using you to bring healing into people's lives as you come alongside and as you love them and as you minister to them. And then you got people over here who are oppressed by the devil and some people are coming along and they're having the power of the spirit to literally cast a demon out of a person and you're not doing that, but God's using you to reverse the work of Satan in people's lives and he's appointed you to that. So, He's appointed us all to pretty much the same thing, but this is where we go back to this diversity thing, but it looks different because we are different. Now, it can look very similar in some cases, but, but there's differences too. I think of, you know, I have a lot of friends who are preachers. <laughs> Us preachers stick together, you know? But I can be in a conference or somebody with a preacher and I, I can be listening to them preach and I, and I can think, listening to them, I can think, man, I'm not a preacher because I don't preach like that. That's preaching. That's what they do. Man, they're preaching, but I'm not a preacher. But I am a preacher, but I don't preach like that. I preach like something else. But you see, it's, my point is that going back to the diversity thing, there's all this diversity and God's called us all, and he's appointed us all. 
and he wants to use us all. Now, how many of you think the world you live in is messed up? Anybody think that? (laughs) How many of you think the world is perfect? It's just great. Couldn't get any better. Anybody think that? Because we'll counsel you (laughs) in-depthly at the end of the service. No, the world is messed up. It's really messed up. How does it get fixed? How, How does it get any better? Well, here's some problems. First of all, the world is totally messed up, but it doesn't even, a lot of people don't even know it's messed up. They think it's fine. And then the people who realize it's messed up, they think it's messed up for the wrong reasons. They don't even know, you know, they think they know why it's messed up, but they're wrong. No, that's not the problem. And there are people who just, they know it's messed up, but they really don't know why it's messed up. Guess what? This will sound super arrogant to some people. (laughs) Christians know the world is messed up and we know why it's messed up. It's messed up because of sin. It's messed up because people are disconnected from the God who made them and they're trying to figure out life apart from their maker and that doesn't work. So we know the problem and guess what else we know? We know the solution to the problem. And not only do we know the solution to the problem, if we're Christians, we have experienced the solution to the problem and we can tell other people and impart to them the solution to the problem. And that's what we're called to do. But here's how it works. It works like this. He called us first and foremost into a personal relationship with himself. And as we grow in that relationship, he'll equip us and show us where to go and what to do from there. You know, I am a firm believer in God's personal direction of people's lives. I absolutely believe that that happens. And here's how it happens. Just like we said, as we come to Jesus, as we seek to grow in him, as we pursue knowing him, guess what? He directs us. In the course of our developing our relationship with him, he says, okay, this is great. I want you to do this for me. And then I I want you to do that for me. And this is what we're doing here. And this is what we're doing there. And, And that's how it happens. That's why we go back and we start with that foundational thing. Let's just cultivate the relationship. Because as you do that, you will discover inevitably where to go and what to do, and you will be equipped to do it. So today, if you say to me, I don't know where to go or what to do, then I say to you, Get to know Jesus better. Seek him. Don't just content yourself with coming to church on Sundays. Don't just content yourself with listening to a podcast here or there. No, seek him. Really pursue him. Yes, come to church. And yes, listen to podcasts, but do more than that. Get alone with him. Open your Bible. Say, God, here I am. Work in my life. Let me know you better. Reveal yourself to me. You see, when you seek him, as as the Lord said, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. 
And so often today, people are wandering around wondering, I don't know, I never heard from God, I don't know what to do. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but the problem is we never stop to really seek the Lord. So we've got to do that. And as we do that, as you do that personally, you're going to discover where to go and what to do. And you're going to find that it, it's very much suited to who you are. You're going to realize that, wow, I think God made me to do this the whole time. Yes, he did. <laughs> and you're, you're just going to discover that. You're going to find that things that you like and, you know, things that you've been interested in and things that you know and things that you've actually done, God's going to take and he's going to start using all of those things. Because what is our mission? Our mission is to reach people like these guys. He took them, this diverse group, and he sent them out to preach and to heal and to deliver. And that's what he's sending us out to do. That's what he's calling us to do. And unless the church does that, Nothing will change. Nothing will change in this world unless people's hearts change. Nothing will change for the better unless people's hearts change. And people's hearts will only change through the power of the gospel. And God, although he can overrule and just say, forget it, people are not, you know, they're not getting it done. I'm gonna just do it myself. He can do that at times. He does do that. And we pray that, that he would step in and do that in a significant way. But in the meantime, we have to remember we're the ones that he's using. He's called us. He's called us to missional living. What does missional living mean? Missional living means that you're, you're a missionary in life. You see, we, we've taken and we've kind of reduced these, these categories. You know, we think of mission and we think of, well, mission, I'm going to Mexico for a week. That's a mission. Oh, that is a mission. That's great if you're going to Mexico for a week. Go, that's awesome. Or, you know, I'm, I'm a missionary. I'm moving to Japan and I'm going to serve the Lord in Japan. Yes, that's a missionary. That's fantastic. That's great. But what about everybody else that's at home? Guess what? Everybody at home, we're to be engaged in missional living. That means you're a missionary at work. You're a missionary in your neighborhood. You're a missionary uh, with your family. You're, you're missional. You're just living on mission. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, you're looking at that thing as being a means through which God will use you to preach, communicate the gospel, let people know about Jesus, and bring healing and deliverance into their lives. And sometimes our problem is we're trying to fit into uh, a, you know, some sort of a space that we're not, that's not for us. Again, it would be like Thaddeus trying to be Peter. Thaddeus is not Peter. He's Libyus <laughs> and he's Judas, but he's not Peter. <laughs> you know, it, it, you see the thing, we fall into this trap, don't we? When we think of serving God and we just think of it in a certain way. We think of it in like these kinds of categories and I don't fit into that category. So how, how's it, you know, I guess I can't do it. No, you do it in the context of who you are and where you are. And if God wants to move you into something else, he will do that. But think about it. 
most people come to Christ. I, I heard somebody say in a message that I listened to yesterday, it was a conference on cities, reaching big cities for Christ. And, and the person said that they believed that the future for evangelism in our cultural context is missional living. More so than like mass evangelism, more so than outreach evangelism, not to the exclusion of those other things, but more so. You know, you can only have so many crusades, you can only have so many outreaches, you only have so much money to do that kind of stuff, you know, you know and, and you can only fit so many people in a stadium or whatever. But missional evangelism is people everywhere where they're at, on the job, in the community, with the family, with the friends, where I'm on a plane, I'm, just, I'm on mission. And, and that's how it happens. And it's true. It is true. Not to the exclusion of those other things, but even if you talk to people who do, you know, large-scale evangelism, of course, what do they always tell you? They always tell Christians, bring your friends, bring your unsafe friends, because we're counting on you to do that. If you don't get them into the stadium, they're not going to come. And that's true. You know, we can sit around here week after week, month after month, year after year, and just hope people come into church. They're just driving down the road and they decide, oh, there's a church. I'm going to go in and get saved. That might happen to one person or three, but it's not going to happen on a large scale. How are people going to get to church? How are people going to get plugged in? How are people going to hear the gospel? We got to tell them. We got to tell them right where we're at. And we've got to understand that we are on mission. And so for you, you have a gift, you have abilities, you have interests, you have things, you have friends, you have people around you, you have, you know, a, a sphere that God has placed you in. That's the place of your ministry. Be missional there. How do I do it? Get to know Jesus better. Get closer to him. Seek him. Develop the relationship with him. And guess what? that preaching you're afraid to do, it'll just flow out. And it won't be preachy like we've talked about before. It'll just come out. And that healing that that person needs, it'll just, it'll come because the Lord will give it. And that deliverance that that person needs, God, God will use you. And remember, he uses all kinds don't say, well, you know, he can't use me. He can. Not only can he, he will. And not only will he, he wants to. He wants to use you. He wants to use me. So what, what is my point? My point is that he's into diversity. And he uses everybody who comes to him. And he uses them in ways that only they could be used. So as we finish and as we just think about this, just like Jesus took these 12 from all these different backgrounds and he called them to be with him and then he sent them out, that's us today. And that's what the Lord is doing and he's wanting to do 
and let's just yield to that and let's recognize that we're on a mission and we're on a mission everywhere, 24-7, wherever we are. God's with us and he wants to work through us. And the more we just get close to him and the more deeply we know him, the more personally we experience him, that's just going to flow from our lives when we are in those places where the opportunity comes. For the month of June, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Gospel by Ray Ortland. With powerful insight and clarity, Ray Ortland presents a grand vision of what the church can be if we embrace the power of the gospel and apply it to our daily experiences and witness for God. The book The Gospel by Ray Ortland is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of Mark. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.